Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. He'll get you the sports any way that he can. It's Mike Francis on. From the studios of WFN, this is Mike Son, Francesa on the fan on this uh, Monday, the first day of April. April Fools. A day I never really liked very much. I never, you know, a day I always thought it was kind of silly. But, hey, it is what it is. Um, uh, we got a lot to get to. Ron Darling in studio. He's got a new book, as you know, 108 Stitches. So we can talk some Mets with him as the Mets open up a series in Florida. Uh, for all you Yankee fans who are in crisis mode already, and that, especially now when you're hearing that Giancarlo's going on the disabled list, I know some of you like that. Uh, oh, excuse me, on the list, not the disabled list anymore. Um, uh, the 10-day list. Uh, uh, we'll get to that. And all the baseball. Uh, Yanks in action tonight against the Tigers. Uh, pre-game 555, the Yankee games early in the season are going to be 635. Rather than seven, so the pregame starts at five fifty-five. We'll take you right up to that. It's a little earlier than usual, but that's going to do in April and May for home games. Um, Yankee lineup: Gardner, Judge, Voit, Bird, Sanchez, Torres, uh, 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 DJ Lemayu, uh, Talkman will be Talkman will be in left, uh, Tulowitzki and Ramon. And as we, uh, you probably heard already, um, Giancarlo. With a uh, bicep strain, goes to the ten-day list, and Frazier's up. So that's where we are with the bombers. And li- seriously, if you're actually worried after two, three games, then I can't talk to you anyway. I mean, there's nothing to talk about. Um, it was a crazy regional final. We talked about it that we'd probably get better games. I never thought we'd get games as good as that. Uh, that's the best the tournament's been in a long time. Um, tournament doesn't have stars much anymore. They sure tried to build one this year with Zion. I mean, they actually overdid it a little bit at times, I thought, with their coverage. But they were starving for a star in basketball, college basketball for so long. I can understand why they haven't had a star. They can't build stars anymore because if a guy's good enough to be a star, like a Ewing, uh, he's going to leave after one year. That's all there is to it. So uh, you can't really build a star anymore in, in college. The guys are nondescript guys who come on as seniors. They become stars. Uh, they come out of nowhere and become stars, you know, like the kid at Purdue had, did this uh, tournament. That's that's where stars come from. Uh, or they come out of Murray State, you know, like like Ja did. So um, I understood that part. To me, we begin with that game because obviously it was the last one and it was the biggest marquee. Duke was vulnerable because they were – Duke was vulnerable for the very reason – that they were atypical of Duke. They didn't make free throws. They turned the ball over. They didn't make threes. That's not what Duke is. 
Duke's a team. And this team guarded sometimes, didn't guard sometimes. Sometimes guarded really well, other times didn't guard. I'll give you a perfect example. They made some great, really some great steals yesterday. And then there were times where they got beat down the floor on a made free throw and gave up a dunk or a layup off a Duke team, off a made free throw. Almost, I don't think I'd seen that in 10 years from a Duke team. That happened three times yesterday where they gave up baskets off a made free throw. I mean, that just is a, just a lack of concentration. So you saw, you know, that they, and, and I thought Mike summed it up well. I didn't think Mike coached well. I, th- I thought, because I think Mike was more trying to get them to calm down than he was to coach him. And they were very hyped up yesterday. You could tell early with some of the passes they were throwing, some of the turnovers they had. They were very, they just wanted to, they just wanted to score a 20 point basket and blow everybody out of the gym. That's what they wanted to do yesterday. And they played an experienced team that executed down a stretch, and that's why they lost. But, uh, they played young is really what they were. They played very talented, but they played young. While you saw in Winston a player who played old and played smart. And a perfect example of that game is how Duke executed. And then Michigan State, out of two timeouts, gets a layup and then gets a wide-open three out of two timeouts as perfectly orchestrated plays as you could ever have. That's the difference with experienced teams, teams that have been around the block, and teams that, and no one has, none of the big teams have all seniors. They just can't anymore. It's just not made that way. But they can still have a couple. And the real precocious ones don't. And in this game, you're better off having a real cagey guard like Winston than you are a precocious talent. You're better off having guards like Auburn have than you are having inside players like Kentucky had. And Kentucky, if they had played like that yesterday against Wolford, they would have lost. Against Wolford, they hit every free throw. And they converted every big basket. And they made their big threes. And you know what? In the as Kentucky, as an example, and that's all it came down to, in the Wolford game, Hero hit the three. In the Houston game, Hero hit the three. Yesterday, Hero missed the three. Is that bottom line? That's it. It's not any more complicated than that. He hit the three in the Wolford game. He hit the three in the Houston game. Down one, he hit the three. He missed the threes yesterday. That's it. In a nutshell. Now let me get to the one that drove me crazy. And I know it's a debatable one. I've debated it with coaches. I debated with coaches till the cows come home. I hate, hate the idea that you are going to stop the game and give somebody points at the end of the game down three, up three. Now, here's Klein on the on the line. 16 seconds left looking to end the game. If he makes the free throw, he ends the game. Okay, we know that. The game's over. They're a plus four. Game's over. It's two-possession game. Game's over. Instead, he misses. Now, there's five seconds left. The ball is still 30 feet from the basket. And Painter decides to foul. Are you kidding me? They have, on the Virginia team, two guys that can beat you from the perimeter. Most teams have one and a half, one that you can really worry about, one that might scare you. I'll give you two for Virginia. Wolford had three as an example. That's a lot. 
But two is a lot. One and a half is about normal. One who scares you. One you might not want to do it. What you do in that spot is you completely double team the two three-point shooters. Get the ball out of their hands. And what you will wind up with, if a big takes it inside the line, say bye. Let him drive it. Dunk it. Let him drive it. Lay it in. I'll inbound the ball with one second left. If there's even a second left. I'd rather have that than foul him with five seconds left. I'm still up one. I'm inbound on the ball. That's why you're looking for the other way. Is up one inbound on the ball. So why foul? Let them tie the game with a bad three from a bad, a guy who can't make a three or an off-balance chuck from a guy who can make a three but is double covered. Why put him on the line? He makes the first. Now, Painter says, I think he was supposed to make the second, but I think he missed it. He didn't even know what he wanted to do there. They back-tapped the ball, and the just for the grace of God, it wasn't thrown to a wide-open player who was behind the line, which would have ended the game, versus it went to a player who was 13 feet from the basket and turned and made the basket and sent the game into overtime. I detest that play. Purdue, Painter, you got to be I hate that. Do not foul there. I, I've, oh, I understand how easy the shot is. The shot's easy if you're wide open and you're a good shooter. That guy's not getting the shot in the last five seconds. That's the analytics. See, the thing with analytics is the analytics say you have to foul it. Yeah, but the analytics is based on percentages, which is based on open shots. I'm not giving my three, their three-point shooter an open shot. I'm not giving him a shot. I'm overplaying. I tell all my guys, you're outside the line. If they drive it inside the line or shoot it inside the line, bye, shoot it. I'm doubling the two guys, and they throw it to a guy who is a 20% three shooter, and if he beats me, I go to overtime. If they drive it inside the line, see ya. No fouls. If they drive it inside the line, let him shoot it, let him drive it, let him dunk it, let him gift wrap it, do whatever you want. It makes so much sense to play it that way. It doesn't make any sense to play it the other way. Of course, Purdue the game. A game they should have won. And the kid, Carson Edwards, played one of the five greatest NCAA tournament games I've ever seen in my life. And it might even be top three. And I'm talking about, I'm taking in games played by Kareem. I'm taking in games played by Bill Walton. I'm taking in games played by Bill Bradley. I'm taking in games played by Elvin Hayes, Austin Carr. That game was what he completely lifted his team one on five. And how can you tell me that these games are brilliantly coached when Virginia's sitting there, a guy's supposed to be a great defensive coach. It takes him eight minutes to adjust to the fact that one guy's killing him. He didn't double him, double the ball out of his hands once in eight minutes. I'm saying, how many trips is he going to let this guy take the guy off the dribble before he adjusts? Finally, last two minutes, they decide, hey, we got to do something. Really? The light went on, huh? Figure his father's sitting behind him. His father was a heck of a coach. His father would have said, could you double a guy? At least yesterday, Pearl Calipari you saw them. They took the ball out of guy. Brown was killing him. Brown didn't get the ball again. All right, then the other guard killed him. It happened. But at least the same guard didn't keep killing him. It was a different guard that killed him. 
At least they doubled the ball out of the guy's hands. You know, they didn't let the Stars on each team. In that game, they didn't let the Stars beat them. They doubled the Stars. And you guys yelling. I mean, this is, first of all, the Zion stuff got out of control. I mean, out of control. They had a cam on them, and then when the game ends, they didn't even show you. Oh, wait a second. You have a cam. You have an ISO on them. Can I get a reaction after watching them for two weeks? Can I get a reaction when he loses? I heard people saying after the game, well, you know, if they Zion's the guy who's got to take the ball to the basket, why? They're going to foul him there. They're not going to let him take the ball to the basket. They're going to foul him on the floor, number one, or they, that's what I would do, or foul him in the act. They're not letting him take the ball to the basket there. They're going to foul him with both hands. He's a bad foul shooter. And remember, in the Central Florida game, he missed the free throw, and Barrett got the rebound and laid it in. He didn't return to favor yesterday when Barrett missed. Neither one of them made threes, uh, made field, uh, free throws all year. You don't make your free throws, you lose games in this tournament. It's always been that way. It'll always come down to foul shots. Look at the Auburn game. The kid made 11 for 11 down a stretch. That's why they won. He made 11 for 11. While Kentucky, which made every free throw against Wolford, which bothered me because I wanted Wolford to win that game, and Kentucky played great. And then yesterday, down the stretch, what did you see from Kentucky? Three for 12 down the stretch shooting a foul shot. Hero doesn't make a three, and they go three for 12 on the foul line. You can't win. They played hard. They played defensively hard. They played tough. That game was, I mean, these games were played so hard, these four games. I mean, it was a great testimony to college basketball. They played great. The Texas Tech game, the Gonzaga game, they played their rear ends off. The Purdue, ten, the Purdue Virginia game, they played their rear ends off. Yesterday, both, double, both games, they played as hard as they could play. The effort was insane. I thought Mike had a really strange game. Number one, I, don't even, I think he was just trying to calm his kids down. I didn't think he wanted to overload him with a lot of plays and a lot of minutiae because I think he couldn't get him to calm down. Number two, and I only heard Jim mention this once, if they would they stop oohing and ah about everything Zion did and analyze the game. I mean, please, did anyone notice that Duke had no fouls? Here you're coming down the stretch. If they need to foul somebody, they were two. You can't be a two late if you're possibly going to be trailing because you can't foul. Duke was, you know, everyone talked about the last play. The last play meant nothing. Duke would have had a foul three more times in the last five seconds to get him to shoot a free throw. He never got him near the penalty. How Duke played 40 minutes physical like that and got one foul in the first 18 minutes is hard to figure out, number one. Number two, though, I'm saying Duke's got two fouls. They can't foul here. You have to have your, if you're playing in a one-possession game, you have to be close to seven. Otherwise, how can you send anybody to the line? That's your job. Mike wasn't worried about that. Mike wasn't worried about anything. He just thought if he got the ball to his guys, they'd win the game. I mean, that's basically what they've been doing, and that's how they play. Hey, my guys will make a play or they won't. And they didn't. I mean, listen, let's be honest. Barrett made the biggest play in that game, down two, 63-61. He hits a huge three. Two minutes left, Zion threw him the ball. Zion had the ball in the baseline, threw it to Barrett, who hit the three with two minutes left. 
That was the that put that put them back in front. And then Zion got the ball back and laid it in, got it 66-63. Out of that, Michigan State come up, called timeout, got a layup, came back, got the ball back, called timeout, got a tray. Great execution. Win the game. And you know, let's be honest. Uh Izzo. Hasn't had a lot of wins against Mike. He was 1-11 going into yesterday. 1-3 in the tournament, 1-11 overall. So it's not like he's been beating Mike very much through the years. He's 1-11. But again, only 1-3 in the tournament. That was their fifth game in the tournament. Now he's 2-3. and three. Um, There was no difference between any of the teams. I, I, I'd be the first to admit that. I mean, it wasn't like somebody great got upset. The teams were all pretty even all weekend. Texas Tech could play with, if they played Michigan, you knew they could play Gonzaga. Auburn, playing without their guy, without Okiki, is really was surprising they played as well as they did against Kentucky. I thought Kentucky was within about two baskets in the first half of knocking them out, and they didn't get it done. I thought the biggest part of that game was that it wasn't 14 at the half, it was five. Because it was right there at 10, I thought that last three minutes was going to be huge, where Auburn, if it had gone in down 14, they never would have come back in the second half. And they went in down five instead, 35-30. That was the difference to me. Then they were in it right off the bat, coming out of the second half. You know, three of the four teams were losing at half that won. The only one that won was Michigan State. They had to come from behind to do it. Everyone else was winning at half, lost. I thought Texas Tech did an incredible job on, on Gonzaga in the second half. Never gave him an easy basket the entire second half. Lulled them, lulled them to sleep in the first half, thinking it was going to be easy, and then put the clamps on in the second half with a completely different look defensively, which was superb coaching. Absolutely superb. Completely took them out of the game in the second half. They got no fast-break baskets. They got no transition baskets. They got nothing easy. They, they got nothing from the backcourt. I mean, uh, he, he did a great, they did a great job. They're a little limited offensively. But I'll tell you this, this is the most wide-open Final Four I can remember. Any one of these four teams can win. I mean, there's not a lot to choose from. If, I mean, do you tell me right now you're going to be surprised by anything you see? I don't think so. I mean, the longest shot on the board is Auburn, and what are they showing you? So anybody's capable of winning. The Monday game... Having done this a lot of times, I can tell you this. The Monday game, if Michigan State's there, the Michigan State fans will arrive after, and they'll buy up all the tickets from the teams that leave, and they'll fill the building on Monday night. They're the only one close enough to do it by car, and that will be their edge if they're there Monday night. They'll get a, they'll, there'll be no edge in the building on Saturday because all four teams are represented on Saturday. The teams, people come and buy the tickets up from the teams that leave town after they lose. Michigan State, if they win, their fans will flock to the building for some Monday night. I've seen it happen before. Like it happened, I've seen it happen with Kansas when they won, and then by Monday night the place was packed with Kansas fans. I, that, I think it'll be a lot of Michigan State on Monday night. Won't be any big advantage on, on uh, Saturday, and it's wide open. Right, Ron Dolan's going to join us in the studio in about 15 minutes, so we'll get some basketball calls in right after this. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. 
extreme minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.